The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. Finally, the stock reacts. A delayed market reaction to Google's launch of their AI model, Gemini. Today, the AI halo effect finally takes effect. It's Thursday, December 7th, and welcome to the Tech Check Podcast. I'm Deirdre Bosa. And I'm Mark Gilbert. Our story yesterday, why wasn't the new AI model from Google generating any buzz? Why didn't the stock move? Well, today, the the stock is popping. Investors just, just took a little while to digest the news. I got to say, Gilbert, I feel vindicated. This was our whole story yesterday. We said, hey, the technology is really cool. Why aren't people you know, talking more about this? Certainly in Silicon Valley, they were. But I guess at CNBC, we're so markets focused, right? So if the stock's not moving, we're talking about it less, which is why we're here essentially as Tech Check, right? To make sure that you know the most important stories in tech. And this is undoubtedly one of them. That radar about Gemini flew under the radar yesterday. And I was trying to figure out why that was, Gilbert. I think part of it was it was this subdued launch. It was virtual instead of in-person. And we're so used to these big, splashy you know, presentations with CEOs and Jensen Huang on stage with them for AI. Um, it's also going to roll out in phases. So we talked about this too, how it's a little rushed. Um, and you know, the most powerful version isn't ready till early next year. But I think most of all, Gilbert, why the reaction was delayed, it is very, very difficult to get across just how incredible this technology is in a written piece or even just an audio piece like we're doing now. The breakthrough in one word is multimodal. That means that the new AI system understands audio photos and video. And when you see all of that working together, like really you only can on TV, you can't in a podcast, you can't in a news article, a written news article, that's when it really makes an impact. Right. And I, I, uh, we, when we looked at the sell side notes today, a lot, they, a lot of them referenced the video that, that Google put out that we played a bit of yesterday and a bit of today. And it shows some of Gemini's capabilities. It's a very compelling video. Uh, Gemini understanding rock, paper, scissors, Gemini understanding a movie scene, the matrix. Uh, other examples include Gemini understanding colors, 3d objects, creating its own games and ideas and prompts and sort of showing a little bit of humor as well. As you said, the version demoed won't actually be available uh, till next year. And actually what was available yesterday was Gemini Nano. But what it all represents is a new... No, what was demonstrated was the most powerful version. I think that's called Ultra. The, right, so right. the things in the video won't be available till next right. year. And what was actually came out is is uh, Gemini Nano. But I think it just showed that you know Google sort of being back in the conversation. Yeah, exactly. And more broadly too, it just represents this new, more powerful phase of generative AI. Um, we mentioned this yesterday, but ChatGPT has been showing off very similar features in terms of going beyond text and incorporating sound and video. I spoke about that bicycle seat example that some might be familiar with. It was on the internet a few months ago. Gemini is Google answering back saying, we have the same technology, the same capability. They say that it's more powerful. Um, they, they say that they're all jostling, but I, I don't, you know, people smarter than us will figure out if that's actually the case. 
Right. Yesterday, you interviewed Marty Chavez, who's uh, the vice chairman at Six Street Partners. He was also at Goldman. He's been studying AI. You talked to him since the late 80s. Um, and he talked a little bit about the sort of moment when they're in and how there's never been a more exciting time. So let's listen to that for a second, and then you'll pick it up on the other side. We're well into the second half of the chessboard, and the computers just keep getting faster, and there's more and more data, and the data has been labeled. The internet has helped do that. And all of these things have come together with more theoretical breakthroughs. Everything that I see is about twice as impressive as what I saw three months before. I just have to quickly also say that this interview was one of the most interesting ones that I have done this year. It was 15 minutes long. It was part of CNBC's work summit. And we do these events where you get these longer form interviews. And Marty Chavez is someone who I've been wanting to talk to for a long time because Sixth Street Partner is an increasingly important player in financial markets. It's a private equity firm. They do some venture investments as well. And he was just so well-spoken. He got like a PhD in medical AI in the 80s, whatever that means. He has just been thinking about this for a long time. And we talked about everything from investing in generative AI, if you're in the markets, on the idea of these two different camps, acceleration versus effective altruism and, you know, worrying about humanity first and, you know, less about going as quickly as possible. And he was just really, really well-spoken. So I think you can get that online or maybe we'll, we'll link to it in the notes here. Um, but finally also, Mark, we got some sell side reaction today. Yeah, I, I was interested in some of the reaction. Uh, um, you know, I, I, one point that was put out there was by the time this actually launches next year, will OpenAI have launched GPT-5, right? We're on GPT-4 and sort of, you know, in this in this arms race that we talk about. Uh, I think we also talked a lot, of it, a lot about this when the, you know, big hyperscale cloud players, Amazon, Google, and Microsoft a couple of years ago, sort of. Uh, with each iteration getting faster and faster, um, you know, this kind of race to have the the best version. So that was one theme that was talked about. Obviously, there were just, you know, people were very impressed by this. Um, and I think people talking about Google's acceleration in terms of their rollout. Um, mm -hmm. Here's one thing we wanted to highlight from Wells Fargo. Here's a quote. Nonetheless, the performance metrics alone should be enough to quiet down the where is Google on AI chatter. Which is, I've always thought was silly this year, right? And many people have here, especially here in Silicon Valley. I mean, Google has created a lot of this foundational technology and it's like Wall Street sometimes forgets this and thinks that they're behind, which, which okay, let me be fair. Yes, Google was caught off guard by the release of ChatGPT and that's very important. Even if you don't, and I don't know the answer to this, have the best technology, if you're able to bring it to consumers and have them use it, that is so important and a key part of making this technology relevant. And it's what started the whole a generative AI hype cycle. I also thought what Wells Fargo said was kind of interesting. They said, ultimately having Google come out with this now is, in their opinion, accelerating the commoditization of LLMs. And we talked about this yesterday. Where does this all lead? Are we just going to have all of these large language models and you can switch between them like I already do between BARD and ChatGPT? I don't, I'm really agnostic as to which, which platform I use. Right. And the other big question mark that was raised is what does monetization look like for Google? Yeah. Um, and saying they've been pretty quiet on mm -hmm. that front. But they summarize and say Google proving as they still have some bite. And that's probably accurate. I will say one note on this, Gilbert. Yes, the stock is up more than 5% today. 
tomorrow, a week from now, it could be down because already there's being some cold water thrown on Gemini. The information had an article out today saying that, you know, some of these features are a little overhyped. You can't exactly do that. Um, you know, there's there's going to be maybe some disputes on the performance metrics and so on. So we'll see how it shapes up. And we never sort of claimed to that one day of stock action is going to tell the story. But here it's interesting. It does tell us that the reaction was delayed. Exactly. I mean, you also had Meta coming out with like a dozen AI product announcements today. And we'll kind of see whether, you know, any of those stick or make a splash or, you know, are useful. The other thing we wanted to discuss, we're coming to the end of the pod, was Taylor Swift quickly on the cover of Time, <laughs> Time Person of the Year. And hold on, probably the only time Taylor Swift comes second. Yes, Tim's comes second to Gemini. Those were, we're such nerds. So we needed some help. So we're bringing in the rest of the Tech Check team. You have the, the whole team here, Laura Batchelor and Jasmine Wu. Dee, I'll start with you, though. Your first big takeaway from the Taylor Swift piece that we all read. The first big takeaway for me was her work ethic. Absolutely incredible. She started training for her tour six months in advance. She would do her entire set list while running on a treadmill, running fast for the fast songs, jogging for the slower songs. And that to me is just incredible. I don't think that anyone ever doubted Taylor Swift's work ethic, guys. But to read it like that was just like kind of incredible to me. I thought, you know, I, uh, I'm i sort of going to take another nerdy part of it and do, I thought that the economic, um, you know, the economic impact of everything that she does, that it's not just the songs. It's like the, you know, the, when she comes to town, how it boosts the lo local economy, the film uh, partnerships that she did with AMC, the, how she affects the NFL. I don't know. I was sort of just, just Amazing. impressed Agreed. by the scale of that. Laura's on mute. She still needs to figure out how to work the uh, the the. Um, <laughs> I have to say, okay, I Jasmine. <laughs> I read more about this Time article on Twitter before I actually had read it, and I will have to say, at least in my circles, I don't know if it's just like the circles that I've kind of entrenched myself in, but it wasn't the most positive reactions to the Time article. I don't know if you guys oh, got that too. No, I, I have not seen Wait, that. Yeah, tell, tell me, more. tell me about some of the criticism. Okay, there were there was a lot. Um, I'm surprised. I guess I am like kind of in a in a bubble. Okay, but um, yeah, a lot of it. I think what the the main criticism there were like very specific quotes that people kept calling out. One of them was like she called her re-recordings. She said she's collecting Horcruxes and Infinity Stones and Gandalf's voice is in my head, and. <laughs> Someone wrote that this is the this is one Madewell cardigan short of the most millennial sentence ever uttered. <laughs> and I think that that's kind of the vibe that I've always gotten from Taylor, just like a little she bit obviously. Yeah. Yes. Millennial cringe, I think, is oh the oh, best like, way. What's what's the word um to describe the new millennial chuggy? It was, is that what they were saying? Chuggy. That's Are we going to get crucified now for using Chuggy and Taylor I think, Swift? I think that sentence? she talked about the, there's that whole part where she talked about how she's sort of embracing cringe. Embracing and actually cringe, yeah. Embracing cringe and being okay feeling cringe about yourself. And I totally yeah. thought about that when she was making uh, Harry Potter references and Lord of the Rings references. Okay, Embrace, I actually thought because- 
we live in the world of cringe, guys, tech check. <laughs> and tech founders and VCs are constantly talking about Lord of the Rings in particular, right? They're like naming companies and products after them. So I thought, oh, this is like totally normal. Maybe she's even speaking like our language in tech, but that's, it's interesting to get that perspective, Jasmine, that that did not go over well with what, with Gen Z? Is that who didn't like it? I would say Gen Z, Gen Z leaning audiences. Please don't come after me, Swifties. No, I like that you're just, you're pointing out, you're pointing out the criticism. Exactly. It's not my opinion. It's just what I'm seeing. Laura, what do you think about it? Oh, oh I think mine. we got to get, we got to get the sound sorted out. Um, the the back to Swiftonomics. Um, we actually our Julia Borston, CNBC correspondent, did that for daytime today because there's just so many incredible numbers behind what she's created, and that was a really interesting part of it as well. Like taking back her narrative, um, I thought to be a really wonderful part of the piece and hearing about it from herself, how you can feel like the whole world is against you and how Scooter Braun, you know, someone who she believes really dislikes her, bought the thing that was most important to her and how she thought about it. And she used the pandemic to go and re-record her music, which is one of the all-time most amazing things I've ever seen anyone do is just to reclaim and, and reshape that narrative. And it was interesting. She said how she got there. She spoke to Kelly Clarkson um, and such. And also just her arc, how during that era, right, the, the 90s and the 2000s, there was a lot of young um, pop stars who didn't know how to handle the fame and the ups and downs. And it seems like she's in a churned. place yeah. exactly where she where she's able to kind of handle um, the other thing I liked about it, guys, this was actually brought up by Mike Santoli in discussion today. I overheard famous, it. But, famous Swifty, Mike Santoli. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but his, he's he's a print guy, right? He came from Barron's and he spent a lot of his career doing print journalism. And a generation probably has, I don't know, again, don't get mad at me. Maybe the younger generation doesn't exactly know the importance and prestige of Time magazine and what that had in maybe another era of journalism and media. And Time sort of by making Taylor Swift person of the year got some of that halo effect. Now, every, now you know, Generation Z is talking about Time and thinking, what is person of the year and they're looking at magazine covers and maybe they're even buying it. So they made themselves relevant. In I mean, I, I kind of feel like time is relevant one day a year now, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like the person well, of the year. It's, it's a person of the year publication now, not like a, you know, I mean, I, does time even have, I don't even know if time has print versions anymore. I don't, I don't know how long it's been since I've actually seen a physical copy of time. Yeah. Well, doesn't Benioff owns time now, right? Yeah, he does. Yeah. Um, Okay, well, let's Get talk about Benioff this question, though. on the pod to talk about Taylor Swift. Seriously, he should really. He, he had to have had some. Maybe maybe it's like church and state. Maybe he doesn't engage in the editorial, editorial. side. But let's talk about, we didn't even consider whether Taylor Swift should or should not be person other, of the year. Other candidates? I know you're thinking in my Sam mind, Altman. In my mind, though, no. It was always Taylor and has to be Taylor. But I'm open to, for you to change my mind. It does seem like it's her year. It does feel like it's her year. I mean, Sam Altman, you could argue there's a good case, but I mean, it's just so Silicon Valley specific. And I don't, for us, yeah, he, hugely influential, but still he, he really hasn't had, well, I mean, they talked, has he they had talked the kind in of the piece impact. They talk in the piece about Barbie and Beyonce also like the Barbie mm -hmm. movie and the Beyonce tours happening at the same time. 
So I think maybe you could have made an argument for those three. But, I mean, yeah, it does feel like Taylor Swift really dominated this year. And maybe it's Sam Altman next year, right? Like the jury's still out. They've He has created a lot of value, but it's paper value, right? Taylor Swift has created a lot of cold, hard value cash right. into yeah. cities, into production companies, into, <laughs> you know, the whole travel operation of it. The other thing, we didn't even mention it, guys. Jasmine, do you know what I'm going to say? No. Travis Kelsey. There were some right. tidbits about her yeah. relationship. About when the relationship yes. started. Yeah. She, yeah. she said it was metal as hell. Another quote that I was going to bring up when we talked about the cringiness. Cringe. I, I, cr I cringed on that one, I will say. I am of her generation. Although I'm it all started on a podcast, which is which bodes well for us That's on the Tech Tech podcast. You know, if you can start that on, if you can, if you can launch a relationship on a podcast, maybe. <laughs> You know, Maybe when well. we bring hey. Benny off on. Yeah. yeah, we just did that with Benny off. Get, come on here, right? You got to shoot your shot. <laughs> um, All right, any other great. comments, guys, from the Swift article? I was going to nope. say tomorrow we've got two big stories coming. I wanted to tease one yeah. on uh, the return of the bundle in uh, in streaming and media. And the other, we're going to talk about the uh, IPO pipeline. So stick around for that. And a note to our audience, this is the first time we've tried sort of something else a kicker at the end of our regular podcast if there's something you want to hear about at the intersection of pop culture and tech pop culture and business let us know we're down to talk about it our, our kicker was longer than our original story <laughs> i mean it was swift what can you do more interesting yeah this podcast is supported by fedex dear small and medium businesses no one wants happy customers more than you do so you need a business partner just like you like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.